Hello, awesome marketer. Let me ask you a question before we start today's episode. Are you looking to plan your content calendar more efficiently, save time across your team, and publish social content like a pro? If so, you're in luck, because Planable allows you to do this and much more. Planable is the content collaboration tool that makes it easy for marketing teams to preview, plan, approve, and publish social media content six times faster for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Google My Business, and TikTok, all in one place. So go to planable.io slash old school to find out more. Our podcast listeners will get 30% off for three months by using the coupon code old school after choosing the plan that fits your needs. Once again, go to www.planable.io slash old school and get 30% off for three months by using the coupon old school at checkout. I cannot wait to see you breezing through your content and your plan like a pro. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello, team, and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. And today, haven't I got a treat for you? Because we're going to talk about one of my, I'm not going to say new, but newish favorite topics, which is building in public. And also, <laughs> I love, um, when I asked some of the topics that I wanted to focus on, uh, Kevon bro, make Twitter friends. So that's going to be part of it too. Uh, with the incredible Kevon. Kevon, in case you don't know him before we say hi to him, is the author of Building Public Guide, which has been read by a whooping 8,000 plus entrepreneurs to date. And he's now running a course, an amazing course, I should say, called Building Public Mastery to help entrepreneurs and creators grow their business by showing their work. So his business is also built in public, where he shares with monthly numbers and everything else really openly with his audience. So you get a gist of probably what we're going to have today. And again, come on, thank you for being here with us today. I hope I did you justice with a little intro. No, well, Fab, you did really well. Like I listened to a few of your podcasts and I'm so excited about this conversation. So let's let's do it. Tell me about it. I mean, do you think we're actually going to go really meta with this conversation? Like talking about building as we're building and building trust and building in public. I don't know. I always find that I understand the topic because I think naturally I've been wanting to share my journey, especially in the last couple of years, a bit more. But I find some people still struggle with the concepts and it's hard for me to say because I can I can understand it so maybe can you remind us again if you were to explain to people actually what building in public looks like so feels like and you can even use a kitchen analogy if you want because I love that one yeah sure I will use the open kitchen analogy um I guess just imagine yourself walking into a restaurant right and it's not a typical restaurant it doesn't have the kitchen at the back where you cannot see but this is like a, a restaurant with an open kitchen with glass and you can really see oh the chef is cooking our food right there so essentially this is building in public like you're not just showing and telling those like 
marketing stories that are perfect, you know, branded perfect. But you're telling the journey, the working in progress, showing the behind the scenes to people and use that to build trust and relationships and also having conversations with people. And you know what? Because people can see how you prep the food when they eat it, they're just going to be having more confidence that this is going to be good. And when people ask about them, then the memory even sticks with them and they're going to spread the word for you. So essentially, it's about telling your stories confidently with the behind the scenes. I do love a food analogy that makes me really happy because it's just one of those things. And the reason why I love it as well is because I, so on all marketing school, especially in the certification, but also in general with the content we create, we do want to support whether you're a marketer, whether you're an entrepreneur, a professional, obviously the, how can I say this, the, the easy steps of a funnel, the easy steps of a journey, which are, you know, the brand awareness element and understanding how to use things more effectively. But I also find that sometimes we rush through that building trust aspect because we feel maybe it's not necessarily what marketing should be about. And I think when you reframe the journey as, yes, it's important to show the before and that's where building public starts. But then as people are consuming the content, are using your services and products, they can actually feel more of that connection and they understand it better. I think this is where sometimes we forget. And again, you can be a marketer, you can be a creator, you can be a business owner. I find that and tell me if I'm wrong, obviously I know that you teach a variety of people, but I also find that creators maybe can relate a bit more with it because a lot of it is our personal brand. But I personally want to say, then I'll ask you what you think, but that even if you are a business owner and you have a product or a service, or if you're a marketer, you can still encourage that building in public experience. Because I feel a lot of people are like, maybe this is not for me. So what should we say these peeps? I think, yeah, you're exactly right. This is much better for solopreneurs and creators, people who actually don't have a huge marketing budget, but they still want to do some brand building marketing, right? So telling your own story is like, it's free and you can tell it every single day and you can use those to like be your marketing materials. For people who are a bit more skeptical about this, um, it, it really depends. I mean, I understand if your team or your company is bigger size, like 20 plus, uh, how to decide what to show to the public is actually quite hard. Like, are we aligned? Are, are we all going to say the same thing? Or what can we share? What can we not share? So I understand that perspective. So a lot of people actually use building in public um, early in their business journey because that's when people really see the behind the scene. Oh, if, for example, there's a jacket company based in the UK called Painter Jacket. And I read the story, like the two founders, even just from day one, when they first have this little mini idea, they already start posting on Instagram and they show people how they source the suppliers, how they decide the jacket and all that. And it's just so fun to watch. And guess what? When they launch it, people are so excited to buy the jackets because they have seen the hard work through a whole year. So I think, yeah, if you're early in the journey, try it out. <laughs> Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. I did tell Kevon that because I know the topic and I'm so excited, it's going to be even more free flow. So I'm going to throw you hard questions <laughs> left, right, and center. I hope okay. you're ready for this. Dear listener, you know, you know how it rolls, right? What I was thinking then, based on what you just said, is, well, then what would you say is the biggest 
not obstacle, but as you say, you met, you talked about well when you are growing is the communication, choosing what to what to share, what can you share? What would you say out of these things we should be aware of if we want to keep building in public, but we are growing, even if we are solopreneurs? We might have a smaller team, but we might actually start building one. So what would you say is one of the biggest things to be aware of as you're growing and you still want to build in public? I think a lot of people have this misconception about building in public. Like, hmm, I need to be very transparent. So they instantly jump into like sharing revenues and numbers because a lot of um, this come from tech companies and they do share all their numbers. But to me, building in public is a mindset. So where you draw the line of how transparent you want to be is up to you. So I see some public builders, they are very vulnerable. They are very open about the whole journey. They love feedback because they use the data points to improve how they do things and they share everything. That's good for them. But I also see a lot of um, newer entrepreneurs who are like, hmm, I'm not so sure. Then I would usually say to them, hey, don't share the numbers yet. If you feel like it's still at zero or very low and you're feeling like, what's the point of sharing it? Then don't share it. Focus on the lessons. Focus on what you're learning, what the decisions are in the journey. And then at some point when you feel like, hmm, maybe you can push the boundary a little bit to share the numbers and you think sharing the numbers actually help, you know, build that connection with whoever is watching or a potential customer, then you can share it. But it's never like, there's no magic formula into what to share, what not to share. It's about what brand you want to build and how comfortable you are. And don't follow other people's advice of like, you have to do this, you have to do that. I think everyone is different. And the, the more you're, and because you're taking a very different approach, you can stand out from the rest. In here, you actually are going back to a point that I remember you talked about in our, in our workshop, which you actually did a short workshop for our summit last year. But the reason what I'm thinking is what you've mentioned there as well was as a reminder that, yes, we're sharing this story, but obviously we also need to understand that the audience is there to take something away from the story. And I find that, first of all, that really kind of ties in really well with what you just mentioned about, you know, f- you know see where you feel comfortable because as you say, if there's a lesson maybe to be drawn or something like inspiration to be drawn from a number or from a particular episode, then makes sense. But and I remember you mentioned then, I want us actually to elaborate on this again, because I think it's so important. Because I don't want people to think about building in public as just kind of telling things. You really need to remember also what's the user intent behind consuming the stories and what are they going to get out of it. Because I think it also helps you reframing what do you feel comfortable sharing because you see how it's going to impact your audience. This is my thought, not from being like a pro at building in public, but this is how I see it from being a marketer for a very long time. You know, I remember one example, which is someone I really admire, and he has been building in public on Twitter. So the way he does it is amazing, amazing. So he's a creator. So he writes books and create courses. And, you know, a lot of people who write books would think that they know a lot and then they would just go ahead and write it, right? Or create the course and then plan to launch it in however long, maybe a month or so. But this person is very different. He basically involves his audience in the whole building process. Like, hey guys, I'm actually not sure if I should use this as the book title. Can you help me out? Hey guys, I don't know if this is the right tagline. What do you guys think? Or... 
hey, I'm having some trouble recording all this video. What software do you guys use? So it's like a really beginner mindset. But this is so great because as you're working to launching a product, you are essentially involving your audience and because you're selling to them eventually, right? So if they can help you shape the product, one, they're more invested, they're more willing to buy. Second of all, it's going to be a great product because of all this feedback. So that's why building in public is all about working with your audience on top of telling the stories. I think people shouldn't just be like providing updates and updates and updates. They should really having they should really be having conversations. Once again, you hit the nail on the head so proverbially because um, I'm thinking about some of the live workshops that we do in our certification. And when we talk about both community building and even the marketing funnel, which are two workshops that I teach, reminder for everyone, I'm not the only teacher in the certification, hence saying that. I talk a lot about when, as you said, a brand or, or obviously one of the students comes to me and is like, well, how do I actually get my audience involved? And I do mention it, whether it's from community building perspective or even again on the marketing funnel, which is more brand awareness and social. I do mention this because I've done it, for example, for my first book, my community helped me choose the cover and things like that. And I find that it can also be a great way to go from having a very passive audience to a proactive audience as well as the excellent point of actual, as you say, market research and help you knowing if you're on the right track. So I find that, you know, from that implementation, I think, then you can see that you can use it in a variety of ways, whether it's your public community, whether it's a more private community, you can then start feedbacking it. And I think it's very important, as you said, to me, you're almost creating an almost more valuable engagement that sometimes the type of engagement that we want uh, or that we think we want because this engagement actually allows people then to see the output sometimes obviously if you choose to go with their design or with their idea they're like oh i i did that and i think that's something that sometimes we forget rant over but again as i wanted to say this is something that can be applied in so many areas of your marketing and your products and that's why i love it yeah totally i think a lot of these things people just don't realize until we talk about it and then they're like, oh, that's right. Now I'm saving a lot of time doing this and that. <laughs> and I think especially right now where it's it's harder to actually truly understand what people want sometimes because I always say this, and this is one of my pet peeves, people will tell you what they think they want, but they will show you what they really want. And I think that's one of the problems that sometimes we have. So it's all about, I think by, as you say, instead of asking people to fill like a 10-step survey, by incrementally asking them questions as the journey comes, you're actually allowing them to give you some feedback in a much easier and digestible way for you and for them. And I think sometimes we forget that because it is, you know, traditionally you send a survey or you send, you know, an email with loads of questions. But I find that that also is beneficial for the audience not being showered every two seconds with long questionnaires where they actually almost rush their way through it. Again, that's another pet peeve that I have. And there is a place for them, I want to say. There is a place for them. But I find that sometimes the effectiveness is lost because of the overwhelm of people actually trying to give you the answers that you're looking for. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I personal, personally don't like surveys. Like I, I think there's a phrase for this, which is like action speaks more than words. If you can just build in public and, you know, you can put out something like, hey, if I pre-sell this i have nothing but i pre-sell this for 10 bucks would you buy it and if people jump into it then you know you're onto something if no one responds to even a 10 dollar product then you're in trouble 
I have another hard question. Hard questions keep okay. on rolling. Okay. I like it. I like the enthusiasm. I don't get that usually, so I'm going to roll with it. Okay. My question is, what about <clears throat> building in public or kind of keep sharing the lessons in the journey when things are tough? Because it's one and good to think, okay, that's easy, but I find that I'm a highly sensitive introvert, extrovert, again, men- even like mental health issues, which I don't talk about a lot. But what I'm trying to say is that as a person, I would tend to retreat when I'm in trouble because that's the overwhelm that I feel. And so I find a lot of us, especially as you are an entrepreneur, I always say this is a roller coaster of a journey. But even if you're a marketer, even if you're a small business, you know, it doesn't matter. Some days you just don't feel like showing up. And I was kind of wondering, what would you say can be, you know, some things to think about? Or maybe what have you seen people do if they're struggling with this, building in public when things get tough? Yeah. So let's tackle the one about not showing up. I think people think that when you show your work, you have to show up every day. You have to keep pushing things out and you have to do it very frequently. I think that's wrong. At the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself. So if you want to take a break a week, a day, a week, do it. If it makes you a better, if you puts it, if it puts you into a better shape, do it. But let's tackle the point about like, what if your business or your project is in a low season, right? You're struggling. I think, you know what? People usually see that when you put out something very positive, like I make how much money, this is very successful. You get a lot of engagement. People jump in and cheer for you, right? I think we are a bit spoiled by this positive engagement. And then we put out something more like struggling, I'm learning and all that, and it gets less engagement. And then we think, hmm, maybe we should only put out the positive news. But the truth is, the, the, the truth that I discovered myself is that, yes, a lot of people will cheer for you and they would want to learn how you have that success. But the connection with these people are less than when you share something that you're struggling with and people jump in, want to help you. They want to talk to you. They actually they actually empathize with your struggle because they have gone through the same. That connection is so much more stronger than the connection when they just cheer on your success. And if you are more a long-term person, right? Let me ask you, which one would you want more? Would you want 100 people cheering on you Or would you want 10 people who are just like really, really invested in your journey and they're there for you? I think you would choose the 10 people. So this is something that is really hard to overcome for most people because people look at numbers and they instantly make the decision that, oh, this is the positive news that is working so much better. So let's focus on that. But but I personally like to look behind the scene a lot. Well, maybe that's why I like being in public so much. I like to understand like the real behavior behind certain things. To be honest, I'm the same. And this is exactly why I said earlier is the people that will tell you what, you know, what they want, but then they actually will show you like what they really want instead of what they think they want. And I think it goes back to that idea of, you know, sometimes, as you say, we can be stuck on like thinking like it has to have its purpose in a way. And I understand that obviously you want to see that the, that building in public is affected positively in certain perspective, but as you mentioned, I think it's also important to understand that, you know, even in those moments of vulnerability, then you can find that support that you need. Because I find that especially if you're working for a small company or if you are the only person running the show, it can feel quite lonely. And I think it's it's important to know that actually you can have those public spaces where you can get that support that maybe you didn't think you would be able to get. 
However, and I'm going to ask you yet another uh, tricky question because this is related to this. And I'm like, well, how, first of all, have you experienced trolls and how would you deal with that because i always believe there's a constructive feedback i'll always take that but sometimes it's not constructive feedback and public pl- places and pl- platforms can have the uphill and i know especially for some people that might be more sensitive the fear of getting that that friction can actually be something that stops them from showing up or being open about things so obviously if you have a personal experience or something that you have helped other people overcome that would also be great but i think it's something that some people might be thinking about yeah this is a very tough question because i teach a lot of students and i can see everyone has different levels of uh, openness or vulnerability and it is really scary to some people to put themselves out there the only thing not the only thing, but like the one thing that I tell them is that to first overcome this, you need to accept yourself for who you are. Uh, usually when I look at all the amazing entrepreneur who, who is like very authentic and they have their strong voice are the ones who are just really comfortable for who they are. Like they know that everyone has good and bads and they have no problem saying that they're bad at something. For example, I would I would be upfront and say I'm really bad at water activities, right? In the ocean, I get seasick. Oh my God, I vomit like seven times. I cannot play football. When I was 13, someone yelled, hey, why are you playing football? You run so slow. And I never play football again. So I find that when you can be upfront about what you're, what you're bad at, then you overcome that and you're, you're accepting yourself for who you are. And you're not so afraid of the trolls and all these like random weirdos on the internet because like yesterday last night someone was tweeting about my making twitter friends course and has something good to say and then a random person jumped in and say something and i cannot see because somehow i'm blocked by this person but then later on i asked the other person hey what did he actually say and he's like oh but like when someone is two-sided, then that's not good. Something along the line. And I'm like, who is this person? It looks like a fake account or like some, it's not even a real person. So for me, I just learned to take it easy. Like when you put out something, there will be a lot of feedback and comments, but I always reserve the seats for critics. Like I expect them to happen. When I reserve seats, then when they happen, then I'm like, oh, okay, finally they're here. But if it doesn't happen, then I'm like, oh, okay, the seats are now empty. I reserve it for the critics, but they are not here. Then I just feel so much better. I think a lot of people, they're scared because they get surprised. Yeah. So as long as you don't get surprised, then you're all set. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a tough one. I understand that. And just one tip, I always ignore the trolls like i would like it on twitter and i would never reply to them because it's not worth my time like the the tweets come and go so fast like even in six hours no one remember that anymore so why do you care about it just focus on your real work thank you for that and i'm gonna add one more thing just from a from a woman's perspective because i find that there's um I think obviously everybody's different but I know that there's a really strong feminine energy that sometimes we have and that's the one of wanting to be supporting everyone and wanting to be our best and I think that can be a really hard conversation especially from an element of self-worth and mindset 
there is a there is a stark difference, especially when we have some women in the podcast talking about some of the things we have to overcome when it comes to our brains. And I also find that that's when, especially, it doesn't have to be only for women, but especially if you are feeling sometimes like you've been hurt or like that is really affecting you, I find that you can then take it in private and then maybe have that one friend, whether it's a business friend or, or like a friend friend, and actually talk to them and actually regain that perspective because I believe that our internal chatter, especially as you say, if we haven't built that confidence and that openness, can actually get a bit rocky. And I find that that could be, if you are a bit more sensitive or if you're still struggling with this, then I find that for myself, being able to have that perspective and that safe space to talk to somebody I know and just be like, this actually didn't feel good, it can really help as well. So just want to add that from a perspective of somebody who is highly sensitive myself. And that's how I've been able to get that confidence sometimes when I was struggling. Yeah, that, that's a really good one. I have a few people I go to as well if I have issues like this. <laughs> and you finally don't think about it until it happens. And then you're really like, you know, that that kind of that safe space. And it's like this idea that obviously by building in public rhyme, public platforms, and this is my next question and obviously kind of like retaking in private sometimes can feel good when we need to reassess and recoup obviously as you mentioned there's also times to take breaks talking about public platforms i want to ask you before we even talk about the magics of twitter i want to ask you why do you think we we have hats at all marketing schools so sometimes we put them on if you were to do the little thinking hat on why would you say twitter has naturally had this little resurgence because it has let's be honest i've been using twitter for shy of probably 10 years now and it's definitely changed massively but in the last two or three years it's had this little like topple moment it's like oh what happened and why do you think has become one of the really effective platforms when it comes to building in public and connecting with people and really recreating this new experience because it has changed a lot i think it's mainly two things well i study twitter a lot so hopefully this helps uh the first thing is about is conversation driven like every single tweet is actually not like a post. It's just a line in the conversation. So when you see someone talking, you can jump in and it's very much like thoughts or opinion driven, right? Everyone is sharing, adding value to it. So if you can start with a public conversation, then you already kick off a relationship. And of course, you can take it to private message or like Zoom to continue. But even if it just stay on the public level, like it feels pretty connected. Like I feel connected to a lot of people this way. Um, but the second thing I think is really smart of Twitter. I, I, I think they didn't come up with this, but eventually like they figure out this is the magic. Is that the algorithm of Twitter rise on the fact that you have to help each other, right? Think about it. When you retweet someone's tweet, like Fab, if you retweet my tweet, you're helping me out by just giving me that little token of retweet. And I am so thankful because you helped me gain more exposure. On Or the other side is like, when I give a shout out to someone else, I am thanking them and I'm getting them exposure as well. So the whole algorithm, I think, is based on helping each other out. So, and that's why it's just amazing how things can be kicked off that way. And then you can feel free to take it whatever direction you want to. That's how I see it. And now following up on that excellent point, and I think it really helped us also reframing how Twitter is not working as a platform. So I love that because I can definitely see that conversational element 
be more highlighted. Again, as I said, using it for like 10 years, it definitely wasn't down that road, even if it was maybe more naturally. And one thing I'll also say is that before I ask you the following question, is that I have eventually seen a few more people thankfully stepping up to make it also a more positive platform because I think, again, three years ago maybe, then it shifted. But people were still like, I don't know if I want to be on Twitter because they felt it was really heavily charged. That's where people were going for ranting. I don't know if you had it yourself, but I would talk to a lot of fellow social media managers and be like, yeah, that's where I'm going to go if I want to have a rant. And now it's changed and I love that kindness has come back, support has come back. I find it's really kind of shifted and, and it's probably, as you say, because people are stepping up to have different types of conversations and really supporting each other. So I want to say this because, again, I know some people might actually have left Twitter a long time ago because they felt it wasn't a, a happy place for them. And I think there's a time to, you know, reconsider it. I think it's becoming a lot happier these days. Yeah, I think I definitely see that. But I also think that is how you create your own experience, right? I had my Twitter account since 2009 when I was still in college. And... I never used Twitter because I thought it's a place for celebrities, politicians to like just say something. And I don't want to listen to those people. So when I first got on Twitter, end of 2020, I removed all those like following. I, I stopped following everyone. And I just start following entrepreneurs who are sharing their journeys. And guess what? When people talk about like how Twitter is toxic and like a lot of hate i don't see it at all because every single one that i follow are entrepreneurs that are supportive to each other if there's like a toxic voice i just remove it from my from my twitter account so i i guess a lot of people they don't filter their experience so that they don't have a good experience but it can be good if you just put in some work into it it's a very simple reminder, isn't it? Sometimes we forget it. We have that choice to actually decide who we want to hear from and who we want to connect with. And sometimes it's just almost kind of accepting that maybe something has changed or maybe somebody that we used to follow, as you said, you know, we don't want to anymore because their experience and their conversations are not serving us and we have that power. And sometimes you're like, oh yeah, I can do that. And no, and genuinely, you know, it doesn't matter because as you say, you are curating your own experience so that you can show up <clears throat> on the platform the best way possible. No, yeah, I, I, I can give a tip if <laughs> anyone is interested in the tip. When I first started out, I only follow people who have less than 600 followers. <laughs> and the reason is, if you think about it, people who, are, people who have a big following on Twitter, they have less time for you. They might not interact with you. They might not even do anything about you. But if they have less than 600 followers, they are the people who are new here. They're craving for connections. They're here to engage. And you can make good friends with these people. And then as you move out, of course, you can expand your network a little bit. But I always, I only follow a few people who have like a huge following because it just, it doesn't add to the conversation. And I, I think to myself like, okay, I'm, I don't want to hear those like wisdom over and over again. I want real genuine conversations. So yeah, a little tip here. Excellent tip. And I will... I mean, dear listener, don't you like a tip? I know you like a tip, so you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Kevon. Uh, to be honest, though, it goes back to one of our workshops is all about user intent on social media and how it completely shifts your way of thinking about like the platform. So thank you for reiterating this so that if any student is listening, see, I'm telling you things that happen for real. 
it's true. Like, you know, you need to understand why users are there in the first place. And as you say, I believe that more and more users are there for those conversations and that will shape how we as audiences also interact with it and the choices that we make. So thank you for that. Thank you for reiterating something. Yes, it's, it's doing a little like hands up. We're going to do a little dance shimmy. It's all going down. Now I've got one more question, even if I could talk for about another six hours, but then the listener will be like, Fab, please stop. So I'm going to ask one more question. And the question is still related to Twitter, just to finish off on this, because, you know, we mentioned it as a great platform. And I find that I want to caveat and say that even platforms like LinkedIn, I've seen a lot of people these days using it more for building in public. But I still find that Twitter has something slightly different in the way that I think we still feel that we have to tweet a lot more than, for example, like going show up on LinkedIn or posting on LinkedIn. I think there's still this thinking, I'm not even going to say misconception because I think it really does depend. So I want to hear your opinion as somebody who shows up, you know, uh, quite consistently to actually be constantly on Twitter or posting or, or retweeting or answering and I know that you posted before, that's why I'm asking, uh, a bit of how high you show up and like, the ways that you made it so that it's more sustainable for you. And I would love you for you to tell us a bit more because I find some people might, again, not be wanting to invest time into Twitter because they're afraid it's going to take up too much of their time or they're going to feel overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, Twitter, if you want to make it a serious channel, then you have to invest a lot of time and effort. So to avoid burnout, right? This is what I do. First of all, my main audience is in Europe and America. And I'm sitting in Hong Kong where I grew up. So I moved back after studying in the States. But I cannot stay up like 9 p.m. to midnight every single day just to pose and interact with people. So what I do is I sit down once a week. I create all my tweets in one go from my ideas library, right? I jot down ideas all the time. So I just grab from that library and I have maybe like 10 to 12 tweets, long and short, ready to go for the whole week. And I would set up different times to go out where my followers are most active. And guess what? People think that Twitter needs to be this synchronous platform where you just stay on, have a chat right now, blah, blah, blah. Well, yes, that's the best way, but I do it differently because I need to stay healthy as well and mentally strong. So I, my tweets go out when I sleep, right? But I would wake up and I would still go back and reply to every single person who actually respect my time, respect their time by replying to my tweets. This is the least I can do to show some respect to them as well. And guess what? When I reply to them, they would see it when they wake up. And then we have this like, pretty amazing asynchronous conversation in public and that's a way to build relationship as well so you don't really have to do it live and the other thing is like you have to figure out a way to not get distracted all the time on twitter right it's so easy to jump on during the day and then spend an hour there so don't go on twitter until your block time for twitter is happening like maybe half an hour a day or like that one hour a week, whatever capacity you have, just have that one hour and go in and go crazy tweeting to everyone, replying everyone, and then stop, right? You don't have to crave like crazy growth because crazy growth actually doesn't get you real followers. They just get you a, lo a lot of random people. But what you want is like people who actually care about you. So take it slow, be mindful and enjoy the experience.
blocked time is my favorite thing. So again, thank you for mentioning that because if if you the listener don't know, then I I have been blocking time for my social engagement for a very long time. I have multiple platforms that I work on with two brands plus my personal brands. We're looking at three. Uh, obviously, there are agencies and people from agency. You might be like, well, that's nothing compared to my 20 clients. I understand that. But still to explain, like, by blocking that time, it makes it a lot more efficient and effective. And I feel that sometimes because we're afraid of reactive content or because we're afraid of missing something out, we're constantly on. But as you say, it's also a case of protecting our mental well-being and health. And what I love from a marketer perspective is that more marketers and social media managers are also speaking up about this. And they're being like... I actually feel like I need to have a healthy relationship with social media because, as you say, once we remember that we can actually reown the way that we consume the content, it's like, well, we can make our own choice. And as you say, it's more about making sure that we continue the conversations and we respect the fact that people are connecting with us than about being there all the time. So thank you for saying that. Well, team, I mean, I'm just going to say you have had the best chat so i really hope that you got loads of ideas and tips and you're gonna now go and build far and beyond in public with so much wholesomeness so again thank you kevon i'm gonna do a little bow <laughs> you're so welcome yeah i'm all here all about sharing that's who i am yeah so if people want to share more with you and i want to learn more tell us again before we leave where should they go and what should they do yeah so i'm very active on twitter well, except for when I'm sleeping and people still think I'm on. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter. My handle is meetkevon, M-E-E-T-K-E-V-O-N. And then if you just want to get more like free resources around like building authentic brand, building in public, then go to publiclab.co, publiclab.co. That's where I put out all my free content and just try to help people out there. I think let's start here. Like let's, let's not overwhelm everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.